On this AI and AV, we take a look at machine learning in AV and getting started in AI. All that and more next on AI in AV. This is AI in AV, episode one, AI in the real world. Mr. Malbright with Aviation with an Aviation special, taking a look at AV and AI. Quick backstory here. A dear friend uh, who works for Castor Communications um, hit me up and uh, her name is Rachel Bradshaw, one of the smartest people that I know in the industry. And she's like, hey, we should do a special on AI because it's huge. And I know a lot of really smart people. And so I'm like, that sounds fantastic. So with me to talk about AI and the AV industry are those smart people. First and foremost, Marin Corrigan from Microsoft. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you, Tim. Excited to be here. Good topic, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you're from Microsoft and I use all your products and some of them have AI in it. So we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Also with us is Alex Capasalatro. We know Alex from Josh AI, who also has a number of AI. Anyhow, jo Alex, how are you? Doing great. I'm happy to be talking about AI with you guys. Absolutely. And uh, we'll also talk about uh, Alex has a class coming up at CDI here in a few weeks uh, on this very topic. Uh, finally, uh, Tomer Mun. Tomer is from 22 Miles. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. And again, y'all have, let's just put it, y'all have AI, right, in, in your stuff. Yes. This is going to be a, a longer conversation. We're going to do multiple of these because, quite frankly, it's a deep, it's a deep topic. So, Marin, I'm going to start with you. Generic question. Take this as long as you want. When we say AI, what do we mean? Like, what, what is it? Okay, so um, AI obviously has been around for a long time. Artificial intelligence is what it stands for. Um, but the, a lot of what's getting the buzz lately is this talk of generative AI um, using large language models. And essentially is um, we're able to combine a lot more data sets than we ever have before, which is making um, us a lot smarter. Um, so when we're able to talk about things like ChatGPT or OpenAI, um, a lot of what we're getting back from these prompts is being able to speak it with natural language and get back something that's really um, intelligent and useful. Um, so really examples are using large data sets and having really insightful things come back. Um, so it's really fairly new. I would say in the late fall timeframe is where some of these models started getting legs and people started using them. Um, and it's pretty amazing. I would say over the last six months, um, you think about different types of technology and the adoption curve, I'd say um, this AI is probably the most transformational technology that's ever uh, hit the market. I think the, you think about a cell phone, it took like 16 years to get to 100 million users. Within three months, ChatGPT hit 100 million users, which is absolutely insane. So probably the most transformational opportunity of our time and our lifetime and one that's going to have um, residual impacts on basically every single industry. So very cool time to be in technology, right? It is indeed. Alex, uh, your company's name is Josh AI. And I, I guess I should have said this. AI in the context of this conversation stands for artificial intelligence not to be silly, what other, other AI things can call. However, Alex, your company is called Josh.AI. Did you have AI, you know, seven, eight years ago when, when this came, I mean, when you started this and, and, and what exactly are we talking about when we talk about AI? You know, I like how you frame that because when we started the company in 2015, the joke we have today is we literally had to spell AI. People didn't know what it was. They didn't know what we're talking about. They didn't know why it mattered. And we had to relate it back to different technologies. 
the reality is AI in one form or another has been around for decades. AI is not necessarily something new, but as we just heard, generative AI is really taking off and the way that it's being applied today is impacting a lot more people. For us, when we got started, we were really focused on building a voice control assistant and an AI model that can learn about the home, automate things, figure out routines, let you know if there was any security risks or vulnerabilities. And that's been progressing quite a bit. But what's interesting is prior to really the rise of ChatGPT and large language models, we were very narrowly focused. We were focused on talking to the home, controlling the home, interacting with devices like lights and shades and music. But now you can ask about anything and you can customize it and tailor it. So when little Johnny's asking questions in his bedroom, we know that we should make the answers appropriate for an eight-year-old. You know, it's really become an amazingly personalized um, environment. And the thing that's kind of blowing my mind is we spent years talking about this is in our business, an aspect of home control. You walk in the room and you want to turn on the lights. You want to adjust the thermostat, just talk to your home. But now that you can ask about literally anything, people are asking for health-related questions, cooking-related questions, trivia questions. They're asking questions like, where did the name Tim originate from? And they're getting an amazing response. So it's really transforming the, the ways that people can interact with, you know, as Microsoft often says, their co-pilot. The other thing though, that's pretty amazing is in the past, a lot of AI systems, including, including what we did, were much more intent-based. We could teach it to communicate around questions like what's the time, what's the weather, you know, turning on the lights. But if you ask a very abstract human, you know, type question about, you know, hey, it's going to be getting dark later and some people are coming over and what should I do to get the house ready? Well, we're getting to a point where the house will just get ready for you. And that aspect of very imprecise language doing really intelligent things, I don't think that was possible a year ago. Tomer, you know, 22 Miles um, does uh, content creation, does, you know, content management systems for digital signage and, and other advertising based systems. When you take a look at, at AI, not just in the context of, of your company, but to take a step back overall from a technology standpoint, what do you think it, what do you say it is? Uh, I, it's definitely machine learning fast, but it's, it's, it's interactive, it's conversational, it's generative, right? So for us in our kind of landscape and ecosystem, it's, 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 it's both external and internal capabilities, meaning um, we're leveraging AI for AI assistance. We're lever leveraging machine learning with augmented reality capabilities for our mobile solutions. And then now we're also leveraging it on an internal scenario where you can use AI for editing your design, editing mm -hmm. and commanding your, your, your player to do uh, a scheduled release of certain content by just writing what you wanted to do and it does it for you right you're you're tagging a player you're adding metadata into it you're um and you're just writing it you're not clicking you're not doing anything but even voicing and and the fun part in any language because we're leveraging the chat gpt capability so all of a sudden in mandarin you can ask something and they'll understand you and, and provide that um that editing experience um template design um um category design of templates all of that are something that we didn't even really think about honestly nine months ago let alone six months ago and this is something that's really fast and we're moving fast along with it and we're learning as we go like 
before when we first started talking earlier, like I said, I had a conversation with Microsoft about Copilot and I just and 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 kind of how we can use Copilot, what we can do with Teams and Copilot from space utilization and how someone can find a room by just asking, what's my meeting today? Um, OK, show me where my meeting today. Um, what else is in that room that I can do? And just asking, right? AI and it's starting to respond by integrating the Office 365, integrating the Azure, integrating all of those layers. And then you're just having a conversation. And that was not around six months ago as much as it is today. And, and we are trying to milk every piece of that technology as possible because I think this is the game changer. This is as as I was, as Marion just said, this this is crazy how fast it's it's trending and 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 people are leveraging. And I think it's it's not a bubble. I think it is growing, and I think it is evolving into something and morphing into something that we 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 still haven't even comprehended the full capacity of it yet. So I'm excited for it, and we're I'm not like Alex and Marion. I we're I'm new to this, but 22 miles as a, kind of our tech stack and our innovation mindset. Are moving fast along this this kind of journey. Really quickly, Marin, you, you said something here a second ago about data sets, and again, for fear of of over explaining something, I don't want to assume that everybody knows everything. When you talk about data sets, what exactly does that mean in the world of AI? Um, so it means a lot of different things. It depends on what you um, basically introduce to the model. Um, so there, in the past, I'd, I'd say. What's really radicalized this is that it's it's becoming more possible for people to expose their own data into these models. So, um, you know, to do that in the past, you'd have to spend millions of dollars on your own infrastructure to to be able to build the compute uh, needed to be able to do that. Um, but as of today, like if, I'm going to give an example, um, you know, if I am a Microsoft house and I'm using, let's say, Teams for. Um, chat and for meetings, et cetera. Um, we've got all, we're all Azure Active Directory accounts. Um, we have the ability through Microsoft Graph to kind of record everything that we do conversationally, let's say within Outlook or within Teams chat. And if I decide I want to opt into, let's say, uh, Copilot for Microsoft 365, it's going to combine all of my own personal data sets and potentially whatever, let's say, Microsoft decides as a company I want to have access to from a files standpoint, maybe all my sales documents and brochures and proposals, uh, as well as maybe what's available out on the web um, and combine all three of those things so that when I prompt it and say, hey, I've got an upcoming call with Tim to chat about AI, can you please give a suggestion of some talking points and things I want to make sure to, to reference, it'll come back with something intelligent based on all of my current documents and conversations and emails to be able to intelligent give me ideas on things that I want to talk about. Not, and, you know, honestly, Tim, I did do that today a little bit. <laughs> so I, I was going to ask you, did you do that? <laughs> I did. Yeah. And I do this a lot. And actually, I think you probably, you said it, you know, when we were prepping, um, you know, I do a lot of podcasts um, and we do kind of recap like, hey, what's exciting that happened this week? What were all the new announcements? What did so-and-so have to say about that? And it's, it's not like it's doing the work for me, but it's getting me like 80% of the way there. And then I put my own input on top of it. And honestly, it's making me um, more capable of putting out more content. Um, it's able to also, let's say, recap. You know, one thing I don't love to do is summarize. I do a really long report or a PowerPoint. It's going to summarize it down to three paragraphs um, so that I can let you know things that I want to talk about today. Um, so there are a lot of things that make me more productive. It's not necessarily 
um, taking over all of my work, but it's giving me, I'd say, a louder voice. I was just going to say the the whole uh, transcript part is amazing. Like it does all of my meeting notes. Just it just and the and it gives you action items based on kind of what it learned in the meeting, and and it actually even tells you tone and all of these things. It's it's pretty crazy and and so insightful. And it literally does all of the that data point information that I always forget. Like what was I supposed to do next? And now it's doing it for me and doing it more eloquently than I would ever do it is phenomenal yeah. assistance. Right the word is like drudgery. Uh, that's the word we like. Nobody loves to do the busy work. Um, we want to be creative. We don't want to be spending our time, um, you know, crafting up emails. You know, if it can suggest what I might want to say and I go and edit it, that's probably a, a much more um, productive environment than you know, spending hours drafting something. You guys mentioned, uh, I think it was Tomer, you, you mentioned, you know, there, there are a bunch of... Um, capabilities now with editing. Aviation is an Adobe house. This is not a commercial for Adobe. We pay them a boatload of money every month for that capability. But they came out um, with the ability to edit inside Premiere. Mm -hmm. um, we have not yet published anything that has been edited with AI on Premiere. However, we are playing with it, right? Um, there are, you know, we, we, we referenced Copilot a couple of times. You know, both CTI and Aviation were a Microsoft house. Again, not a Microsoft commercial because we pay Marin's company plenty of money on a monthly basis. But we have leveraged Copilot, right? Whether that was in uh, Excel or we use uh, Dynamics 365 and the Dynamics uh, marketing capabilities for uh, our marketing technology. We have leveraged that, you know, in, in crafting emails. Why do you think you haven't engaged some of these tools just too busy? Sound, trust them. Trust but verify, brother. Mm -hmm. I think it's also you have to cite the resources and that's been one of the biggest amounts of feedback is how accurate is it number one but how transparent is it on the references it's citing like if it's pulling up you know valid New York Times documents etc or if it's pulling up some random person's blog that's making up nonsense like I think citing the proper resources and then learning over time which ones you trust and which ones you don't like training the model is incredibly important like to Tim's yeah, point yeah. like building trust over time is what's critical. And, and that's what we, 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 with our AI system, that's what we're doing is we've built our own AI to train and, um, and confine the, the chat GBT generative responses, right? So the, the whole hallucinations thing, we're, we're trying to avoid that. So we, like uh, for Infocom, for instance, we created an AI system around Infocom and we had to train everything about Infocom. And we also built the wayfinding map of the show floor. So you can ask it, what are all the sessions today, June 14th? And it'll look at the database of just Infocom. It's not going to just give you Cydia or something like that or CES, right? Um, and then from there, okay, show me how to get to the Sony booth or whatever it is. And that starts layering down. But we we're doing this for like a, a POC for like Monahan Train Hall and, and the Cavs are talking to us. And these are existing projects with their own database. And we're going to make sure that we're training it to just respond back in a conversational way, in a generative, responsive way to just what's in that project or that project database. Otherwise, you're, you're going to go to the wild, wild west and, and what it could respond. So, yes, you, it's not as trustworthy in some capacity, but there is layers that you can put in it to kind of have it respond back to you. So it's still, you can say, you don't have to be grammatically correct. Be like, what is 
Sony, right? And, and, or like whatever it is, and it'll still going to respond or just say, what Sony, right? You can just say what Sony and sound like a caveman, but it's still going to know what you're saying and, and give you the right responses if you're training it right. Well, and, and where, where I was going with those it is you, you've got Copilot, you've got, you know, obviously some other folks. Alex, there's, there is a, there, there is a, a roadmap here, right? And, and we've all talked about this, the, the fact that, that, you know, yes, AI has been around for a while, but th this, I'm going to say open AI, and I, I don't mean for that to be a pun because that's the name of a company, but this open chat, right? This open large language, this open generative AI to the public has only been around, I, I'm going to say for a year, but y'all can, can disagree with me on that and correct me. Where do we see, I'm not even going to ask for a year because that seems silly right now like the next month and I'm not going to ask anybody to break an NDA and get me sued. But Alex, where, what do we see coming down the, the, the pipeline here in the next three, six weeks? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give a slightly different answer just because I think three to six weeks is not that exciting of a time frame. Okay. That being said to your earlier point, most people began to become aware of chat GPT around November of last year. Yep. And that was not the first version and quite frankly, can go back for many years and see earlier versions, but that was when the user interface was easy and intuitive enough. The value was high enough and there was just the right groundswell for people to begin talking about this. It all sort of led into what's going on in Hollywood with the writer's strike. And there's a mm -hmm. lot of different reasons that it became quite popular. And so one of the things we talked about a little bit earlier um, before recording was are we in a bubble? And what's so interesting is it definitely boomed and, and got big very quickly from the public's perspective. You know, many, many years of development led to the opportunity to ha just have this overnight success feeling. But we're now in a point where so many people are finally able to take advantage of this. And it's not just the open AI and chat GPT stuff. You've got Facebook open sourcing, Llama or Lambda. I can't even remember what they call it now. And what Google's doing with BARD and Bard. You know, lots of other players. And the net result is you have tons of creative people figuring out ways to apply this in, in you know, different applications that I would never think of. You know, many folks at Microsoft would never think of. It's just, you know, people who know their domain so well have the ability to apply these tools in new ways. And so the next three to six weeks, not a lot is really going to change. Things get a little better. Maybe someone launches something. But in the next, you know, 12 to 18 months, we're going to see a lot more radically changing than people think. It's going to feel like it's moving quickly. And in the next three to five years, that's where we're really going to disrupt things. You know, there are going to be certain jobs that are completely different, maybe not even needed, maybe created that couldn't have existed today. They're going to be, you know, entire just majors in college and, you know, different careers that could not exist without this assistant, this co-pilot. And so I'm very excited about this is the beginning of a lot of transformation and a lot of disruption. And like any disruptive technology, there are going to be some negative consequences. I think they're going to be far more positive consequences. But a lot of us who work in this field, we're very aware that this can this can go south very quickly. Just to show one brief example of what I'm worried about, in the US, we have an election coming up. Last time we had an election, the biggest worries we had were social media. 
How are people going to leverage TikTok and Twitter and Facebook? And yes, those were major problems, but they were not AI driven problems. We're now going to have lots of deep fake type problems. You're not going to know if you can trust what you're reading, what you're seeing. The generative AI video and photo technologies have gotten shockingly good. And, and a brief example of this on the audio side, I came home a couple of weeks ago with my husband. He gave a command to Josh to turn on the lights or do something. And he looked at me and, go, and said, wait, did you just respond? And I'm looking at him saying, what are you talking about? We don't know how we sound, you know, part of acoustics. It's interesting. We don't hear ourselves. My business partner, who's our CTO, he trained an AI model on my voice, had my system respond as me. And although I didn't recognize it, my husband thought it was my voice. And that level of deep fake, again, it's going to be exciting, but it might get scary. And we're going to be on this very dangerous line of don't do evil, but use it in good ways, you know, in, in every way we can. Yeah, I, I got on LinkedIn today, I saw someone shared uh, this company called uh, Hey Gen, and they're showing, and, and the co-founder is showing himself, and he's like, this is 100% AI generated. And it's, 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 it's literally a video of him talking, but it's not. It was AI generated, and, and it, it grabbed his, like, his accent. Um, he's Asian, so it's got his speech patterns perfectly. It, it literally looks like a real, like, it looks like he was shot a video of himself. And he said it's 100% AI generated. So that is scary, especially for like exactly like you said, Alex. Like imagine like a fake Biden saying I support whoever or, 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 or Trump being nice to someone, right? It's like it's, it's, it's pretty crazy um, that this is, this is going to really happen. And, and, and people are going to take advantage of him because there is a lot of schmuckos out there. Yeah, and just, just to add on that, in case people didn't look too closely, when Apple launched their augmented reality product, I forgot exactly what they call it, um, that product was showing a feature that scared the heck out of me, which was FaceTime calls while the headset's on your head. That only works if you're generating a persona, the likeness of the person wearing the headset. We have to hope that Apple is able to keep all that data locked down and secure, but all of a sudden they're going to have an avatar that's meant to be photorealistic of every single person using FaceTime. That is a scary possibility if it gets in the wrong hands. Yeah, I was going to say like, so that I learned a term recently and I thought it was a typo on a slide and it was called vishing and not fishing. Like it's voice, voice basically fake. Um, it's those, you know, it shows up as my son's calling me and saying he's held hostage and whatever, and I need to release it. Like, those are scary things. And I think what's actually like, if you look at it on the flip side, I think it's really important for us all to like be thinking about those things, these data security, et cetera. We were doing a lot of these things without thinking critically about security. And I think all of these new developments are forcing us to really have that important conversation of how are we protecting our data? Where is our data, data sitting? Who has access to it? Um, so really critical conversations really happening over the next several weeks and months. I think, Tim, you talked about what's happening in the next several weeks and months. Um, people are preparing themselves for the benefits of this, but you really can't just jump all in to co-pilot without doing the really detailed work of siloing off the data, making sure you have the proper security and protections. You're not recording every single conversation, but pushing it to the cloud. There are certain ones that you want to protect at all costs. So I think that it's making people really have a important conversation around what do we trust, 
what do we not trust? And, you know, we're going through pretty significant beta testing. Um, we're not launching everything to every single employee. Let's try it out in a silo, see how it goes. Um, I think it's an important conversation from a security standpoint, um, and you cannot take it um, serious enough, really. And also just on that, I don't mean to sound alarmist. I think it's important to understand both sides. I am way more bullish on the upside than I am on the downside. Yeah, me too. And I, but I think one of the things from a benefit standpoint, and I had a comp conference this week where I think we have a lot of trust on these models on the back end of like, let's say I take all my data history for customer service and I analyze all of the call complaints or what were my most common issues? What can I suggest as those responses? I think everybody's like really excited about the use cases for things like that. Maybe more slowly on the, uh, hey, I'm going to have it, you know, do transcription and make suggestions based on things that I have with voice and maybe facial recognition. Those are maybe a little more scary to me. So I think there's a lot happening really on the software end. Um, all these app creation, all the API development, all this plugin development on the back end, all these tools, making things easier, eliminating friction being more predictive on how to solve problems. I think that that's gonna be the more immediate. And I think video and voice, there's going to be maybe a bit more caution, maybe um, just more conversation in protecting our data. It'll be a slower uptake than some of this rapid software development. So let me ask generically, because this it, I told you all this would be more than one episode. How does how does some of these capabilities and, and, and some of these very obvious, potentially scary things, right? And, and Marin, I, I've also heard the vishing thing as well, We're talking with our CIO and, and, and um, making sure that this should, you know, keeping our, our CEO's um, likeness, you know, uh, locked down as much as possible. How is this going to change consumer behavior, right? You know, the, the vast majority of people who, who, who watch and listen to AV Nation are, are you know end users in the AV industry? They're 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 dealers. They're you know they they're putting some of these things in, leveraging some of these technologies. How is this going to impact and change the behavior of of, of that audience? Expectations are higher, in my opinion. You know, like I if I can do it at home and it's awesome, like why can't I do it at work? Just like with we saw with mobility and all kinds of things there. Um, you know, and customer service is a perfect example. Like I cannot stand if I'm on the phone with customer service and I give them all of my call detail, but then they have to transfer me to somebody else. And then I have to have that conversation again, or, Hey, I called in yesterday. All that stuff should be there. Like I'm not, I have zero patience for having to do things again. So I think you're going to start to see the companies that have AI and the tools in place to make that a less friction environment are going to win. Those that don't incorporate those tools are going to be left behind. I think it's customer experience is number one. And, and I'll just add in, I, I think from the consumer perspective, when the value and the benefits are introduced in a way where there's very little to zero risk and downside, it's been proven time and time again, people adopt those technologies. And so it's up to us to figure out how do we allow these benefits? How do we allow these technologies to get out there? while protecting the customer, while making sure that there aren't problems happening. I think if we end up in a situation where there is a massive, you know, uptick in a technology that has a very big vulnerability and people start to have some real issues, that's where trust is going to become a major problem. I don't know what every company in the world is doing, but the companies that we interact with, 
are hypersensitive to this. And we're spending a lot of time and a lot of effort to make sure that the customer is protected from the beginning. And I think we're seeing that we're all taking this very seriously because we know people want the benefits, but if we're not careful, our company is going to get a black mark and you only, you only get one of those before you're cut out. Yeah. Yeah. And I have two, two notes. There's already companies already, um, hypersensitive and hypervigilant to it. We, we presented on a demo this week to a big fortune 500 company, the AI assistant, and they immediately said that they already have company restrictions on anything AI. And like, we it can't touch their, within their firewall, it can't touch their network system at all. Like, like they've already said as a company, there's nothing allowed as an AI implementation. So there's already companies out there already starting to push on that. Um, and then on, on the, on the completely non AV kind of, uh, conversation i'm worried about the future right because um i used to before it was popular copy paste projects into my when college just to date myself and no one could like find out if i plagiarized imagine now our our kids are are, are just gonna like have chat gbt answer all of their math questions and algebra things and you know i'm, I'm worried they're gonna we're gonna have a stupid generation because they're gonna be smart enough to learn how to leverage chat gbt to answer everything for them for school. Um, and it's, and it's already happening. My, uh, my mother-in-law who's a, a math professor said that all of her kids seem to be a lot smarter in the last three months than they were six months ago. And, and she knows that, they, and they're still working from, or learning from home. It's virtual learning still. And she knows they're cheating. They, she knows they're using ChatGPT because they're, they're all answering the same way. So, so it's, 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 and there's no way to stop it. There's no, they don't have a way to, to figure out if they're plagiarizing with ChatGPT yet. So that's another aspect to, to, to consider for the future. I had a conversation on this this week and it was a, a really good one with an enterprise client. And we were talking about like the risks of that, of, hey, AI is going to impersonate me and amplify my intelligence greater than what it is. I think the importance, and that's why I think Microsoft calls it co-pilot. It's an assistant, but it's not taking over for me. I think the importance from an education point of view is to validate that um, in a conversation with the student, like, okay, I turn in a paper, okay, well, let's have a conversation. You're going to present to me. I'm going to talk to you about what you presented here. Hey, that was really creative. What you referenced there. Tell me what you learned. Like, I think it's a combination of, it makes us really powerful, actually. Like, I love the fact that I've got an assistant that's making me give these prompts and I'm learning more and I'm actually learning how to speak to it and pull out some really creative ideas that I might not have had in the past, but it's amplifying, it's not taking over. So I think incorporating human versus just going straight by a paper with a bunch of references, I think the human interaction and element is gonna become more important in education than ever, really. Yeah, I'm presenting, which actually is probably a really good thing for my kids. Instead of just sitting behind a computer and typing things away, I think the conversational elements will become uh, of more importance and teaching them how to train a model. What are the right questions to ask? That's a really great skill of having the emotional intelligence to be able to speak, interact, and pull, pull all these references into a normal conversation versus having a computer do all the work. There is no doubt this is changing the way that we think, the way that we learn, but this is the way that humanity has operated for forever. And so you think about when I started doing math, calculators weren't allowed. You had to do math in your head on paper. You had to know how to do this stuff. Today, I'm not sure if that's how people are taught, but I, I highly doubt it. You're using you know, calculators, you're using tools. 
when the internet came out with Wikipedia and everything, I mean, to a certain extent, technology has made us dumber, but it's also made us smarter when you think about, we have the tools to solve problems. And that's really what intelligence is all about. It's, can I figure out how to get the problem solved? And so I do believe AI technology is gonna allow humanity to solve more problems and get more done, which ultimately means we are in a more intelligent race even though we're leveraging technology as an assistant. Yeah, absolutely. And and I am old enough to remember when my math teachers in high school would tell me, you wouldn't, you won't always have a calculator handy. <laughs> I'm, I'm personally excited for Excel GPT. Like I am not good at. Oh, me too. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> that, because I am forever Googling, how do I do this? Yeah. What's in Excel? formula? Yeah. Yeah. What's the formula? How, dude, I, I, anyhow, formatting the whole, everything. With, anyhow. Yeah. All right. I'm not kidding y'all. This is not the last time that, that we're going to hear from these smart people because this was fantastic. And we got through three points of like 20. So thank you all so much. Marin Corrigan from Microsoft. Um, not that anybody know, needs to know how to connect with Microsoft, but how do we connect with you? Uh, well, I would say I've got a podcast called Selling Microsoft Teams Rooms every Friday. If you want to check it out, we do our best to encapsulate everything exciting that happened in Microsoft Teams within a short 10 minutes. That's every Friday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern. So you can check that out. And then keep an eye out for Microsoft Ignite. It is the biggest conference that we do all year long, and that's going to be taking place November 14th and 15th. Um, and that's probably the biggest number of announcements that we'll have as a company all year long. So lots of exciting stuff to be announced there. Okay, very good. Uh, Toberman, uh, 22 Miles, thank you, sir. How do we connect with you? Uh, yeah, it was a pleasure, thank you. Um, 22miles.com um, or on LinkedIn as well, you can find me there. Uh, yeah, looking forward to connecting with anyone and happy to do demos and kind of show what we are road mapping around AI. All right, very good. Mr. Capasolatro, thank you, sir. How do we connect with you, with Josh AI, and how can we uh, sit in on uh, your session at Cedia uh, 2023 this year talking about this very thing? Yeah, thank you. So definitely go to josh.ai. There's no .com after that, just josh.ai. See all about what we're doing. Reach out to me directly. Happy to connect. And then to your point, anyone coming to Cedia Expo, this year we're having the first AI symposium it's going to be from 11 until about 5.30 the day before CD Expo, so on Wednesday. And if you're interested in getting an invite to that or just learning more, they want you to reach out directly. The email is ai at cedia.org. That's ai at cedia.org. So definitely check that out. And then also during the show, a lot of sessions, a lot of panels. I just got a, um, a note this morning that I was asked to speak on a panel that has a title that I never would have chosen, but I just pulled it up. Chat GPT wrote this, how AI language tools can revolutionize workflows for technology integrators. So definitely check it out if you're going to be in Denver for Cedia Expo. All right, very cool. I will certainly be there uh, for both Cedia and CIX, uh, the, the, the commercial integrator side of that show. Excited about both of those. Uh, for us, for Aviation, go by our website, aviation.tv. It's aviation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others. All that and more at avianation.tv that's avianation.tv the network for the av industry what are you listening to this this is av this 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 is avianation this is avianation